a one, <laughs> two, a you know what to do. <laughs> Welcome to Meaning What. I'm your host, Mason Hirschnow. This week, we're joined once again by our very good friends Kim and Hisham from Post 65 to discuss the band's latest single, Crowd Surfing. We discuss how the pandemic shaped the single and how it is shaping our own approaches to art. We also talk about health insurance. Hey, Sean. Hey, Chris. Hello. Hello. Hey, y'all. We are here with our first ever returning guests. Hello. Hello. We have Hisham and Kim here from Post 65. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Hey, y'all. Thank you for having us again. It's lovely to be back here with y'all. What a delight. We're really excited to have you. How long has it been since we last spoke? That was in December or January? Mm, Six aeons ago. I know. It feels like ages. (laughs) Feels like a while ago. We're living in this time where where time is non-existent and Mm -hmm. sort of forever. Mm -hmm. But it's been... um, you know, from an outside point of view, it's been kind of a busy few months for you folks um, over there. You have a new single out last month. Yeah, just about mm-hmm. a month ago. A song called Crowd Surfing. And you had a, a remix of Middle Child out mm-hmm. as well earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, by our friend uh, Side Eye. And so you're really making, we talked last time about having the idea of a band shift from this like not only writing and recording but also performing to a totally like in-studio existence um Mm. and and it seems like at least from the outside you folks have have really latched onto that and sort of made the most of it but i know that these sorts of things are long running and don't happen in the same span of time that the audience is necessarily um sort of conscious of them. So maybe we start just by talking about, like, what have you guys been doing for the last few months? What what have things been looking like? (laughs) Uh, Kim, you want to go first? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I I, I can go first. Yeah, you go first. I mean, what's time? I I mean, I will say the last couple of weeks, I feel like I've been just on, like, a different planet. I don't know if you all feel this way, but it feels like senioritis a little bit with the prospect of things returning to normal, quote unquote, and tours being booked and shows coming back. It's just sort of been like, okay, I'm just counting down the days until I can feel warm again, which is pretty, pretty nutty. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We have a venue out here in Oakland called the Fox. That's one of my favorite venues. And Last week, I got an email blast from them like, hey, X, Y, and Z are going to be here. I was like, wait, what? Unbelievable. Get, what, what's going on? Yeah. And the, tr- the trauma of it all, wanting so badly to like fall into that again and being absolutely terrified that there will be like another more deadly wave. You know? I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. just me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. revealing a little bit of my psyche. Yeah. But, well, totally. uh, like, I, I'm lucky enough to be vaccinated. Now. Mm. And I went out today with a camera because I haven't been shooting seriously for months. And I'm walking around Midtown here in Sacramento. And like, with the exception of everybody being on the sidewalk, you know, at tables, it was like the pandemic was over. And it, it mm. was, on the one hand, like, I'm really excited for that return to normal. But on the other hand, like, I couldn't even shoot. I was so anxious just walking around with all these people that were just like, oh, whatever, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the trauma's real, whether or not we want to admit it. Yeah, I imagine the the psychological effects of that are going to be long-lasting for lots of folks, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I mean, all of us are post-9-11 kids, and so a fear of the outside is already is already like deeply ingrained. I think anyone who was alive in the world at that time and anyone who's oh, yeah. seen that repeatedly. And I think a pandemic, um, kind of a additional distrust of the outside is, is definitely something that I think we're going to, we're going to be looking at. For, we have a yeah, real layer a cake of trauma going on in our <laughs> generation. It's, what a uh, delicious, horrifying thing that you just described. <laughs> I've been working on my metaphors lately for my writing. And, that was um, a beautiful one. Off. Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> we're in the third tier, but we there might be a couple more tiers oh, and yeah. a wedding topper coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what the frosting is? On the outside, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the cake is kind of a little leaning. There mm. is a sugar cage <laughs> for sure that you have to crack open um, with a mallet. But yeah, <laughs> with a giant mallet. Um, this is the worst British baking show ever. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst episode. The trauma episode. But yeah, I mean, aside from navigating the trauma of it all, um, you know, we, Hisham and I have both been working. We're in this sort of strange, there's always a bit of a, mm, I don't know if it's a lull, but a bit of like a rest period after you release something. You know, you pick this day for a song to come out and then it builds up for like months or, you know, years sometimes. <laughs> and then it's out and then it's exciting and then, okay, now what? And so it feels like we're starting to crawl out of that now what? Um, we've been working on some like visual projects together, which is exciting. And we have some more songs that we're working on. But, um, you know, just trying to breathe into things and not and not rush it. Yeah. Be gentle with ourselves. Or at least I'm trying. Who knows what Hisham is doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, last few months, let's see. So I'm evidently working and have been working on recording a new song that were, that is going to see the light of day at some point in this year. I mean, I know it's this year because the song is pretty much done. Um, actually, I was working on it the day of the release of crowd surfing so <laughs> i don't know there was much of a break and i've been working on it like pretty seriously and recording stuff for it for a while and then um there was like a strange kind of break from that um but yeah other than that like visual like some of these visual projects that we've been working on have been fun i just started this new kind of method of making stuff uh that I, that that i'm calling uh just structured play okay which is where i have a big chunk of time to just like mess around with guitars and synths and uh stuff just to create new things because i've been recording and kind of documenting all these songs that we've been working on for a few years i haven't made anything new in a while uh maybe in about a year actually and so i'm in the early stages of that which means like you know and just getting uh actually getting through just some of the bad ideas right now and I'll get like a kind of a glimpse of hope because I'm actually like right behind the computer that I'm using is my other computer. And so there is a session that's open of something that I've been working on today. And for a while I was like, oh, I think this might be a new song, but it might, it might not. It might not. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, like we're, we're there, like kind of a, yeah, I, I wish, I wish it felt more like a peaceful restful place to be in but not not so much not so much right now yeah <laughs> a, a rare luxury to begin with mm. anyway yeah truly um, that that rest is always such a a heavy exhale that it's like i don't know i i'm trying to stay busy as busy as humanly possible just so i don't stop you know mm. which is not totally unusual for me but it's also not terribly healthy no no, it's how we operate here at this pod. <laughs> we must have too many podcasts and things to do, yeah. including yeah. things where friends like Hisham ask you to do things, and you say yes to all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's nice that uh, Sean has joined our short fiction club, um, mm. and so I've been reading a lot, and that's been nice. But yeah, yeah. I mean, start this this gigantic fear of stopping. Mason, yeah, that's it's a scary, scary thing to 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 look at, to kind of interact with, to yeah, yeah. It's a strange couple of months post release, you know. Yeah, a lot of build up. We're definitely on the other side of that, working towards the next thing. It's a very different mind mindset from where from where uh, where I think I was at least back mm. when we first spoke. But you know, that's also a different world that we live in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah changing by the day yeah in so many ways in so mm. many ways so yeah it's funny to be talking now i think i'm just realizing what has happened since december a whole lot <laughs> yeah tell us about a little more about crowd surfing yeah let's yeah yeah well crowd surfing you know uh <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, a good a good song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you say so yourself. <laughs> it's, you know, a good tune, an honest attempt. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I mean. It feels to me a little bit like it doesn't exist anymore, um, mm. which is really, really strange. Uh, I think when we released Middle Child and we spoke with you all, it was very tangible and the song felt very real and like it had sort of a physical form or a presence or a weight that a lot of our songs, you know, because we work on sketches for so long, they don't all get to have that. And when we released Middle Child, it had a a shape to it. Crowd surfing feels far away from me, which is really, really strange. But I think that it's partially because of the, the way that we've written it and the meaning behind it has shifted mm. over time. I think for for the band as a whole and also for Hisham and I individually. So it's it's very, it feels like it's just floating, you know? Um, it's not one that I can go back and listen to often because it's very emotional. And so it's, yeah, it sort of feels like in a literal like like release in a way that, you know, it hasn't really felt before, yeah. um, if that makes sense. So do you feel like you're uh, the singles art where it's just a floating body yes <laughs> ah. i do a thousand percent the nice thing is that you know we're working on we're working on a music video for it and i think Ooh. you know with so many of the songs that we write because we we work on them for so long and we talk about the meaning so early on in the process and throughout the process once there's a visual component it feels like it's so much bigger than you know just the the mp3 can make it you know yeah <laughs> and so having a music video coming out for it is really promising because i think that will sort of expand the meaning for other folks who have listened and maybe seeing how they react to that will help ground it a little bit for me but yeah it does feel very floaty a little bit a little bit in the nowhere place you know yeah which is terrifying <laughs> but here we are <laughs> i was just gonna ask do you think that Part of that, you know, at least my outside understanding of Middle Child is that it is such a, a personal sort of story and song, right? Like there is a there's a real tangible sort of event that you can pin it to. Is crowd surfing the same way or is, or is crowd surfing more of like a kind of an abstract concept? Because when I listen to it, and part of that comes from having talked to you folks a little bit about your songwriting and about how, how things have come together... Um, but crowd surfing feels very much more as a listener up to interpretation for me than middle child, which feels a little bit more biographical or autobiographical. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Hisham can, can speak to that a little bit. I definitely have some feelings about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's very funny, you know, and, and just to, to kind of respond to something that Kim was saying that like, I hadn't listened to crowd surfing for quite a while and then we released it. And I think the day after we released it and for a few days after I listened to it a lot um, and came up with new interpretations after and was like, Oh, like it could be read in this different way. Or like, I think just the writing style and the structure of the song lyrically uh, makes it so that's, it's a little, so that it's a little bit more abstract. It's, I think maybe more inviting um for outsiders uh and that is to say outsiders anyone who listens to the song <laughs> um it's definitely i think in part because in the lyrics there is kind of a clear recognition of a writer writing the song you know mm. that kind of gives it that kind of makes it more malleable and elastic in that way you know there is like a clear sense that like whoever is saying these words which is me who is me whomst is me whoever is saying <laughs> these words is kind of like exposing some of the mechanics of writing the song and delivering that song and so i think that is more inviting because it's like oh i'm well aware this is a song this is a space of a song and you know even in the lyrics there's that section in the middle the middle section has the line or the lines I said the quiet part too loud so everyone can lean in and lift me off my feet and eat me up in pieces, um, you know, which I think is a line or that's a bunch of lines that are very much about 
songs and about writing songs. And later on, there is like uh, all the love songs replace apologies and follow you at night, et cetera, et cetera. So like there is, you know, the mecha- like the mechanics are kind of laid bare in this. And so, yeah, I think mm-hmm. the it's a little bit more inviting uh, versus I think Middle Child where that was just like, look into this check or check this out <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> if you will um but crowd surfing i think is to a certain extent can be seen as a little bit more communal and, mm. and because of that a little bit more abstract i'm not sure if we would have come to that conclusion were it not for the pandemic i think the intense absence of others from both of our lives from all of our lives and the desire to reach out to people sort of blew the whole thing open at least it did for me i um you know with a lot of hisham's songs oftentimes i find myself interpreting as like a receiver and and sort of like being on the other side of the words that are written but with this like in the context of the pandemic in the context of of wanting to be lifted of wanting to crowd surf you know on top of people that i love and missing touch and hands so desperately it became really really massive and and it felt so much bigger than just sort of like a uh you know one-on-one interaction between two people which mm. is you know cool but also like fuck the pandemic you know um so there's <laughs> a little bit of good and bad there but but yeah it does feel it does feel massive um it just feels like it's become so much bigger and and we've explored that a lot together and with with people who are moved by it which feels like a a really lucky thing to be able to do yeah and kim you'd mentioned that the shape and the meaning of the song has changed as a result of the pandemic Mm. um and i know that uh at post 65 sketches kind of get worked on for an extended period of time Mm. so this is probably done prior to the pandemic yeah and so mm-hmm. how has uh, beginning the sketch pre-pandemic and then working on it through the pandemic, how has kind of going through the motions kind of changed the, the process of kind of developing like these deeper meanings within the song and within the sketch? Mm. You know, um, that's funny. I actually started writing this back in 2017 and I wrote mm-hmm. the bookends first in a way. So like the first verse and the last verse I wrote. I think in like the span of three or four months, it was all kind of like thinking about that. Um, and then the middle section, I think I wrote, and I'm not joking, the lines uh, and the vocal takes I was working on like first week of lockdown, mm. you know, like I had been working on it. I think there's January I had written like a first few lines and then I was starting to find a melody, but really the, the lyrics had come, in more full, fully formed ways, probably somewhere around March or April of 2020. Um, so we are adjusting to this new reality. Um, yeah. At this point, we're looking at, you know, obviously like all the shows are canceled, trying to make sense of, or I was trying to make sense of what what a lot of this meant, you know, and trying to, trying to um, um, alchemize this confusion you know, trying to turn all of these questions into something, um, you know, channel these questions into, into something. And so, yeah, yeah. And I think (laughs) probably because of the pandemic, my reading of the lyrics that I came up with two, three days after we released the, 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 the song was like this, this, you know, this sounds, it's going to sound a little, um, this idea always feels a little too big for me, but, um, that maybe, you know, like in writing, I had tried to do, I think what a lot of people um, try to do with the written word, especially, which is you try to dissolve yourself into a piece so that, you know, the listener or the reader is going to reconstitute you in their heads. Yeah. You know, and so um, this sort of, you know, I had, I think I was talking with Kim about this a while back and I, and, and, and Sean actually uh, earlier this week, talked about almost this weird transubstantiation and like this weird thing of like you know and we're in a culture like a sort of like judeo-christian tradition that is obsessed with the word become flesh you know and and that and that was something that 
you know, after writing it, I was like, oh, I see, I see that. I see this sort of trying to reconstitute the flesh from the words, you know? Yeah. So the, the, the pandemic certainly, I think, brought that reading, at least for me, it brought that reading to the forefront and, and brought mm -hmm. a lot of purpose in, 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 into, you know, like my daily operations of trying to write lyrics and thinking of that process of, you know, breaking down the body and then reconstituting it and having someone else reconstitute it for you. And that, that seems to be more and more important for me these days. I mean, tying that to, to something that you said earlier, Kim, I've been listening to that, this song a lot, not just because oh. I was going to talk to you guys, but because oh, like <laughs> it came out and I was totally stoked on it. Oh, um, thank you. And thinking about, like, I am a person who has a hard time with, like, physical contact to begin with. It's just, like, my mm. brain chemistry doesn't allow for it. And that has been kind of the most surprising thing about the pandemic is that for somebody like me who is very particular about, like, physical touch and, and like, those sorts of really any super intimate interaction, to miss that in the way that I do um, and and to to see myself, you know, like for the first time having that sort of a similar experience in that department to other people mm. has been super fascinating. And so this, I think part of why this song is speaking to me so deeply is that like that angle of it, that like that desire to be like embraced in that way by yeah. people that you care about and people that you don't know, right? Mm. Um and there's that like literal reading of it and like the the crowd surfing image, you know, like mental image is, is really powerful in a time like this, right? Where that is like so impossible that it becomes mm -hmm. even more magical than it might be to begin with. Um, but then like extending that into just the concept of like being embraced by somebody is like just like, you know, I put it on and I'm like, oh, fuck, I, this is I am right here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah the uh i i feel well i think i used to feel similarly um i certainly struggle with how how uncomfortable i can be with physical touch given how much i want it i think it's it's a uh, fear of rejection mm. um and so the i i think i even had a moment with hisham a couple months ago where I was in like kind of a bad a bad zone. I think everybody's had some peaks and valleys in the pandemic, and I had this thought cross my my brain where I literally thought to myself, "I am starved for touch," mm. and I've never really been in a position where I've wanted other people's touch so badly. And it wasn't just me holding myself back; it's now mm. you know literal safety. It's life and death. Yeah. Um. And that feels pretty, pretty massive, but it is, I mean, it's so much bigger than that. It's not just, you know, literal physical touch. Like I, I want to play for people again. I want people to hear our music again. I want to be lifted up by people feeling what I'm feeling on stage. Like it's just become so, so big. Like you want, you want actual touch and then you want like the warmth of somebody embracing you. It doesn't have to be when they're in the same room. Um, you want to be lifted up by interactions. They can be over Zoom, you know, but it's better when they're in person. Um, but yeah, just just especially for me, uh, my my grandmother passed away before we released the song, like the week before. And the like the thing that I held on to the most that week was that I could like still feel what her hands felt like, and I was just like, that's everything. That's everything. That's exactly what the song is about. You know, the song for so long was about love for me and and romance and intimacy. And then in this moment, I was like, I can feel the bones of my grandmother still. Like, I can feel her hand in my hand. Like, what the fuck is that? It's just like this massive feeling and realizing how valuable touch is in any form. Um, and I, could, I mean, I could go on about it forever, but it's, yeah, it feels special to be able to at least acknowledge it and to try to, as an adult, with consent, <laughs> get to a place where you can, like, be comfortable examining that desire and acting on it in a safe way without fear of, of being rejected, you know? Um, 
yeah. and without you know fear of of a deadly virus. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that that um, both you, Mason, and something that you said earlier, and what Kim was just saying was that this kind of um, just not being able to have these moments of contact, physical contact. You know, I think these affect folks differently. But, you know, in the context of the song, um, there's certainly the sense that, like, especially towards the end, right? There's the last two lines of the song are, um, everybody touches me now, everyone cares. There's that repeated. And I think when I was writing it, I also had in mind this thought that touch, physical touch, grounds me in reality. And I can confirm to myself that I exist when someone else touches me. It is testimony. It is someone witnessing my my existence. And I think I've had long stretches of uh, solitude, I think growing up and then in my adult years, I think like a lot of folks, but I've had long stretches of, of solitude where I have, I forgot that. And I remember like back in, in 2017, went into my therapist's office and I was like, I know I've said that I was lonely before, but now I'm so lonely, I don't know that I'm here. And this was actually around the time that I was writing crowd surfing. Um, and so that definitely made it in there. Just this, you know, and in this time, you know, fast forward 2020, 2021, and, you know, when touch becomes something that is, you know, even more the focus of our day-to-day lives, but, you know, it's like, this mistrust of touch. And then it's also heavily politicized. And, you know, so you have all of these things that, that make that in, 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 in a, in a time and in a culture where I think a lot of people already don't trust each other a lot. I mean, you know, there's even more obstacle hindering, obstacles hindering touch, you know? And so that, that came back in full force, I think during the pandemic, that feeling and these words, I think, and I think maybe that's why I was once I released it, uh, or once we all released it, I think I was pretty stoked about it as well. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, right. Yeah, these feelings, you know. Um, you know this... I remember those. Yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, and, and just, I think just because of how I am. And, you know, there's always like other sketches and there's always other songs. And the next thing always. And, you know, listening to it on Spotify in the car. And I was just like, oh, 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 boy. There he is. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, something something really struck me about it. Again, it's nice to be moved by your own work sometimes, um, like in this case. <laughs> now, that's there's something we don't talk about enough as artists, how important mm-hmm. it is to be moved by your own work once in a while mm-hmm. and how okay that is, you know? Like, I don't know. I I don't know how much of this is just, like, revealing something about me, but that, like, anxiety of, like, can I enjoy what I do, you know, <laughs> or is it for only for other people? And, like, how selfish is it to listen to the music I make or the look at the photos I take or whatever? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not doing this for other people. I'm doing it for myself and I'm sharing it with other people. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I think it's a quality assurance thing, right? I think, <laughs> I think if... I think, you know, the hope is, the hope is, you know, if, if you like it, then, you know, someone, hope someone else will hopefully like it as well. At least one person, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why I listen to our podcast episodes is to, um, mm-hmm. you know, 100% for quality assurance. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. I listen to your podcast for quality assurance. <laughs> <laughs> A strongly worded text. This episode was fucking garbage. No, 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 no. Your levels were all over the place. What are you idiots doing over there? But yeah, that's that's we talk about that all the time. I think we we move so slowly on songs for that purpose. Uh, there's a song that we've been working on for years, as often we are. Um, that has seen maybe three or four like completely different versions of itself. Because if if we're not having fun playing it, like it's not going to be satisfying to share it with other people. Yeah. And maybe that's uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe that that is too critical, or maybe that's not giving enough 
faith to our listeners, but if I don't enjoy playing it on stage, I don't really want to put it out and listen to it. And I think that's okay. You know, I think that's okay. I think it's, it's the, every song that we've released when we released it, I played it on repeat at least for a chunk of my life somewhere. Um, And maybe that is even more important than doing something because you think more people will like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've certainly been at shows where the people on stage really didn't like what they were playing, and that just yep. sucks. <laughs> it you sucks. Can you can see down. you can see right through it every single time. If oh, I am yeah. not yeah. fully committed and focused and present throughout our entire set, top to bottom, the song's got to go. Yeah. You know, because if I'm not having fun, you're not going to have fun. Like it's not we're not pulling magic tricks on stage. People can can sense it. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it it makes things slower I think for us, but if we want something to sound a certain way and we like it and we want to dive into it, we will take the steps and we'll take the time to to put it in there so that we enjoy it at the end of the day. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It it's a it's a it's an I don't want to say inf- infectious or contagious, but it's a contagious embodied experience. You know. <laughs> um like yeah, like like you know, like you guys were saying, it's to to see a band not having fun on stage it doesn't take much to realize right even if you're not a musician even if you know i've seen people who you know listen to music tangentially and i think it's just a body thing right i think your your body will respond to to someone have having fun or not having fun or you know yeah yeah it's kind of a contagious thing um so the body is the first line of quality assurance uh, <laughs> you know yeah. i do i do feel like uh, i can't remember what it was that you were saying mason but something that you said made me think about the fact that i i feel like i have a defensive layer up in a way because when i am making the music and writing the music i feel so dissociated from what my hands are doing that a lot of times i'll listen back and be like oh wow like this is cool, but it doesn't feel like I don't give myself the credit for it, for huh. either the ideas or the work or the execution. It becomes a third party in a way. And maybe that speaks to my tendency to dissociate. <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> but I think when you are, uh, as both Hisham and I are in some ways, in a space where you are valued less than others in this case diy music i think i am a woman hisham is not white therefore our value is you know uh tenuous put under a microscope i would say yeah um but yeah there's a lot of imposter syndrome and so there's like a bit of a a safety net for me when i'm releasing stuff because if i get to the point where it doesn't feel like it's mine anymore then i'm like great perfect like this feels really good but then the downside is that i don't I don't give myself the credit and the worth that I derive from listening to the product. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which is a tricky thing. Yeah. That read yeah. into my interpretation of like how the song work was like this push and pull between just like the literal embodied, disembodied body floating away. Mm. And it read to me like the grounding thing was community. Yes. And just um, and that's something that I think everyone is desperately searching for in the pandemic. And like, there's just something right just about being in a room with like 10 people that you just vibe with really well mm-hmm. that is inexplicable, mm-hmm. but is just the most grounding, centering thing you can do. And I cannot wait for that. As someone who is the opposite, who craves, needs, touch as. As some of as Mason has had the unfortunate pleasure of knowing, um, it is. <laughs> I am going crazy. You're a very here. affectionate person. You're a very affectionate friend. Everyone gets a hug, and you're gonna eventually like that. them. Yo, I'm sorry. Oh, the hugs that are coming. It is my great hope for this country that we will go to kind of like a European style of greeting after oh, the yeah. pandemic oh, kind of like a two kiss on the cheek or if or maybe maybe mason this this might be your your personal hell back home in certain in certain places it's like six of them so like a three four five six seven eight sometimes wow. in fact you can have an entire like 
introductory conversation to someone while kissing the whole time. There's like kind of this this strange like it's wild like especially if someone hasn't seen you in a long time like if my grandma hasn't seen me in a long time it's just like how have you been the whole time kissing going back and forth it, yeah um hisham can i greet you this way uh you 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 can <laughs> you can i feel like it's 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 one of it's one of the silliest things it's really lovely actually it's it's a really warm thing but yeah if 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 you're very particular about being touched then like there's a lot of cultures where it's hell but it's my great oh, yeah. it's my great <laughs> hope for this country that after this it's like y'all i i missed everyone too much i need cheek on cheek contact <laughs> no air kisses we had a friend text us the other day and she was we were just talking about when we get to see each other after we're all fully vaccinated and immune and she just said i'm going to lick you <laughs> we were like okay <laughs> great like there's nothing i want more than to just play spin the bottle with all of my best friends but yes! i would never ask for it <laughs> but what a joy it would be you know right. but uh everybody's secretly on that same page yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah sean the the Mention of community, I think, is, is I don't always think about it that way. But I will say, before, when I was thinking about the song in terms of just like a one-on-one -on -one romantic relationship, the feeling that I always had was that there was like, there were like two people essentially just falling away from each other. Or one sort of reaching to hold on while the other one like pushes, but like separating either way. And I think that can happen in a lot of different ways in relationships between two people, be it friendships or romantic or otherwise. And then the the thing that always stops, in my experience, the thing that always stops me from falling when I'm in one of those is being lifted up by friends. So even before the pandemic and even before considering, you know, some of the family feelings that I had and the, the, you know, music community feelings that I had, there was still a sense that like you were lifted up by the people around you. And like when you lose yourself in someone else, you're grounded by those who can hold you up and keep you from hitting the ground. So it's there in, in so many different ways in so many different stages, this like desire to just be supported by many, any, yeah. you know, that's very funny. You say that because, I feel like that middle section of the song feels that way. And when I was writing it, because it was written in 2020, I was writing that as a pivot point between both the first and the last verse. And I was always thinking about this kind of like handoff where you have kind of these vague descriptions of something falling apart in the first verse. And this handoff into like turning from kind of like, and this is going to sound very American, from like a personal failure to kind of like a public victory of sort, you know, and, uh, and what I was saying earlier, trying to, the word alchemize is something that, um, who was I reading? I was reading, I was reading, um, I think it was like a Lydia Yuknovich, um, article. She wrote a, a book called the small backs of children. And she writes a lot about violence and art. And I think she has said something about, this kind of alchemy, the, the the way that you try to turn darkness into something else or you know, broadly define darkness. And that actually, that's not always a great thing. That's certainly not always a great thing. But when I was writing it, I was very much thinking of this handoff of like this kind of like personal failure and then turning around and presenting something better to the outside. Um, into um, By something better, I, I do mean just the work. Um it's full of holes because obviously like that can be problematic and that can be, you know, we've, we've talked and we've berated, um, the myth of the artist in here. And, you know, and so there's definitely, I think that that reading and that interpretation is very, very, or can be a little bit problematic because of that. Um, but also, you know, I was 24 when I wrote this 24, 23, 24. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, you know, mm, you know, part of me definitely did that, you know, part of me definitely put more work in music, thinking that somehow this would be an adequate replacement for relationships and for connection with others, you know, um, yeah, I was, uh, there's this, uh, James Blake song on one of the records that ends with, uh, music can't be everything, which is a song that I listened to on repeat for a long time, a few years back that like, looking back even on my lyrics and 
in in crowd surfing i i was wrong in a few places um but yeah again it's the best i could do at the time you know that's it's the best it truly is i think i still feel like i've been saying this every time we release something new because i think it's important to say that out loud that this is in this time frame this is the best that i could do um and I'm, we're generally not going to release anything unless that's the truth. And that's actually generally the the hallmark that like this is really the best I can do. I, there are things, there are things we know we don't know, and there are things we don't even know we don't know. Now I sound like uh, Rumsfeld. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, a fate worse than death. Yeah, a fate mm. worse than death. But you know, like there are things they're just, you know, and we're I think we're aware of that. And so I want to be able to say that every time we release a song, this is the best work I could do in this time frame. And yeah. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that the ending of the song. Um, it being one of the lyrical moments that really stuck with me because it like for me personally, it, it spoke to this this like desire that I've certainly felt many times to like that that need of like I've been rejected, right? I've I've lost this person generally that I really cared about and lost them through a rejection. And so the thing that makes that okay or or the way that I sort of conquer that is this success. Like I wasn't good enough for you or or I didn't you know, I, I wasn't right for you, but look at me now. I have, I am right for all of these people, and sort of landing in that that moment in the song and like recognizing that and and connecting to it on that emotional level. It was like, oh yeah, I know exactly how this feels, and my God, it sucks to look back on, right? Like, no, yeah. um, it's uh, you know, like <laughs> it, it's that thing that is so powerful in the moment, and then like I, I reflect on it, and I'm like, that was totally the wrong thing but it it still brought something Hmm. it's um it's a very very hollow victory and i think even at the time that i was writing even at 23 even i knew that even i knew that (laughs) but but can it also be just a means of survival sometimes like yeah it's not a failure on on yeah it's not a failure of person it is like a a way forward i think yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I, i mean i think yeah it's certainly it's a coping mechanism you know and it has been for the person speaking and it has been for me um this you know the the basis of a lot of the things that sustain me including my my art my ability to make stuff have certainly come from from what i considered i think when i was younger massive failure and so you know the 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 you could have talked to me when I was like 15 and I had this sense of myself that I didn't know how to do anything, you know, and I would, I would be in school and I did fine in school. I did did fine, you know, but I remember like, just like sometimes being in class and just like being like, dude, you're, you're 15 and you don't know how to do anything. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No one knows what to do at 15. I know. I know. Right. It's so silly. Uh, It's so silly. Um, and I remember, like, at that age, just being like, so much time has passed. <laughs> again, <laughs> I've I, seen so much. <laughs> yeah, again, at 15, I don't even think I had that much, like, I think I had, like, a little bit of a mustache. But that's about <laughs> it, right? I think it's important to note that, like, you still felt that way at 22, 23. Like, it has not gone away. Yeah. Yeah, I think. <laughs> well, when I think, you were a wee babe. I think over the past few years, you know, that's gone, that's gone from being like the one thing in music really was, um, in so many ways, I think is, it just takes up such a big part, um, of my life in the way that, you know, I, I, you know, I draw a great deal of confidence from my ability to make music and not in a like, haha, I'm so good. Um, as much as like, I learned to walk into a room without being ashamed of myself being 18 19 20 um 20 actually maybe a little bit older than that even because of music because i knew that even though i didn't do even if i didn't do well here in this context or i didn't know how to you know like carry a conversation or i just i was an awkward person 
even if there was that there was a place where it was good and there was a controlled environment where I knew what I had to do and I knew what I had to learn um, and I knew how to move forward and, and progress in this environment um, and that has actually given me a great deal of confidence to like operate in the world and and to value myself and you know the work after that which is the work that I'm certainly do, trying to do right now is to try to value myself outside of my work and you know I have a lot of help with that from like my friends my band my community but also the therapist um uh you know yeah well that's and that's that's important that's important to know that you know the genesis of something doesn't have to be kind of its its continued sort of course in a way yeah hmm. yeah that those sorts of things can develop from you know can develop into really positive sort of end situations that you that you can start out um feeling that you are so behind and and then when you find that whatever it is that that sort of puts you on that pedestal that we all need you know that it's okay to embrace it and then to figure out like okay how do i bring that feeling into the rest of my life right um and and like you said kim like that those feelings of like let's call it like cathartic revenge right of like Mm. Look at me now. I've I've accomplished this. They are on the one hand, they are very difficult and they can be kind of toxic, but you do need them. And like you said, like they are totally a survival mechanism. And like I think that the the important thing is like figuring out how to like take all of these little things, these little tiny victories that we pick up, um, and build something out of it however long that takes to like have it be okay and and where all those little things come from is less important sometimes than like where they end up mm-hmm. right if if that's the thing that gets you to being able to walk into a room then it might be okay mm-hmm. in the long run mm-hmm. yeah 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 no absolutely absolutely i mean yeah i think i think it's um i mean it's been one of the most amazing things i think to to be able to sometimes turn to that you know um it's brought a great deal of comfort for me at different at different times and and outside of just comfort i mean just just plain joy you know um to keep to keep making music um and to be able to make something with my hands you know um yeah it's still something that brings me like that i'm still like very eager and excited about which i think you know i'm i'm still i'm still very grateful for that which is which is a funny thing to say at this time where I'm fighting myself to write something good and I'm very anxious about it. But <laughs> but yeah, I think talking about it out loud is actually uh, exercising some of that. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> That's not our job. Yeah. Isn't it in a way? It's not. It's not your job. It seems to be every time we have a, a <laughs> Zoom session with you all, it does seem like it's your job. <laughs> Why do you think I'm doing this podcast? <laughs> Our hourly rate is six hundred dollars. It is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we will gladly accept any copays that you may owe. Yeah, we also need those. A lot yeah. of those. A lot of those. Yeah. If anybody can tell us how to get this podcast, like paid for by insurance companies oh, tell shit. us like we will we'll take that money <laughs> you know there's tons like all, of the, money all there. those corporations can burn in hell but until then i will take, <laughs> take that money, money. To fund this yeah. project. do you all have sponsors yet Mm-mm. no well aside from blue cross blue shield Aetna, <laughs> you know i got a Aetna. phone call from anthem today yeah. well, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like if uh, was it Aetna? uh i feel like if they can do uh, an ad with what's it, Nick Jonas? Uh, they can start paying this. They can start paying. Have you guys seen that? There was I like missed, one one no. gigantic insurance company moment. where that had like Nick Jonas maybe, and he was like, "Not only do I go to my doctor, I also see a therapist," kind of thing. Um, and it was oh all God. like very nice and playful, and he whips out his insurance card. I'm like, oh, what a sham! Hmm. What a complete sham! Insurance for profit. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing. Just take a second and sit on that thought. (laughs) 
Yeah. So if they want to fund this podcast, (laughs) I've been, I have been thinking about this a lot lately. In fact, this morning I I was reading, um, I was scrolling on Reddit, reading about a big kerfuffle around the McElroy brothers who are Mm. like, their podcasts are part of the reason why I decided that like I wanted to podcast. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time and all kinds of different stuff, but it was like my brother, my brother and me that was like, and, and I think for a lot of people, this mo- this like relevatory moment of, oh, this can be fun and weird and like, I could do that. And then the Adventure Zone like Ugh. made me want to be a DM, yes. you know, and, and play D&D. And so like- It's a work of art. It's so good. It's so good. And there's been, around those things, there've, there've been, uh, as everything is in the internet sphere, there's controversy mm-hmm. and, and they- so I was I was scrolling through like Reddit had sent me an email about like here's some things you should read and I didn't want to read any of them but I clicked on on this particular one and it was like a bunch of people blowing up about in an ad that the McElroys had read in one of their podcasts that like went against their anti-capitalist stance it was for like personal loans or something mm. and I thought you know like. And I'm I'm reading through it and I'm reading through all these people that are like, they shouldn't do this because of these beliefs that they present and other people that are like, well, they probably don't pick their ads. It's the, you know, max fun and all of this stuff. And like, I got through it and it was like, okay, like I don't feel good, but also <laughs> like, I don't know that I ever want to read advertising like this, yeah. this whole like extra level of thinking. I will do the advertising reading. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but this is my moment. I I introduced myself as the host of this podcast. So whatever mm. you say is a reflection. You know, can we just hire interns yeah. to read the co- yeah. ad copy for us? We'll do right. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shaman, we'll do it. Just do our multiple. pay rate is zero dollars a day. Great. Yeah, yeah we'll take Tim it. I'm charging overtime. <laughs> you got it. One point five. You guys want to lie about being in college so it can be an unpaid internship for credit? Yes. <laughs> that's legal. You get college credit whether or not you are enrolled in an institution. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have done that exact thing for yep. an internship. Yep. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, boy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What a what a gnarly thing to have to like balance as a as an artist or a podcaster or whatever, having to be like, I need to support this project and also like at what point do my beliefs and my ethics have to sort of take a a smaller seat for the sake of supporting what I love doing? Because I would imagine there's some of that in every ad that they choose, you know? Yeah. Sure. But it's just a yeah. I think it's certainly, I mean, this is the trap of capitalism, um, that you, you know, if you want to do something that you love, you kind of have to, it's cost prohibitive, you know, as Mm -hmm. John Matter said last time (laughs) when he was here with us, life is cost prohibitive. Uh, (laughs) And so with that in mind, uh, certainly, you know, that, that just, that kind of just gives you the framework with which we are, you know, which I think most artists are trying to kind of sort their things out that like mm-hmm. everything is cost prohibitive making art is incredibly cost prohibitive um you know having right um you know we record our own stuff and so we quote unquote own the means of production <laughs> like i made this joke last time uh, <laughs> i must have i must have made this joke last time um but yeah that is that is that is not something that 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 most folks can do i mean I mean to be able to to be able to record at any capacity that is still like incredibly cost prohibitive. So you know, you know, yeah, that's yeah. just the trap that we find ourselves in, uh, trying to trying to navigate art in in t- today in this world, this country, this country maybe specifically, certainly more so. And mm-hmm. and I mean they are a special case in that like. You know, there's the there's also like the parasocial relationship that can't be ignored of like everybody who latch onto a brand like that and mm-hmm. are like, I know these people and they are important to me and they talk to me and they are my friend. And that's not something too that like 
I think any of us in this room have to worry about, right? Like, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> if That's Sean, the goal. If, right. Right. You know, and like, do we want to get to that size? Well, that would pay the bills, but like, yeah. you know, then it's, it's still inescapable too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like all of those things that you have to consider, how is this reflecting upon me? Um, how will this affect my social media? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know. I, I don't have a point with this other than it just sucks. Yeah, well, it totally sucks. I I do think it's something that we're mindful of often. And for every, I think maybe last time, I think last time we talked a little bit about how it was a bit of a relief that shows couldn't happen because it took out some of the like, we're not doing enough feeling of being in, yeah. you know, DIY music. Um, so every time that we are feeling like, we're not doing enough or like we're not reaching enough people or we need to be touring more. We need to be paying for Facebook ads or whatever to get a bigger audience. Facebook for, ads. I know for every moment that we have where we feel that way, we are reminded that the small audience that we do have like knows us. We are making music for people who do understand us and actually do know us for real. And that's really nice because the, the experiences and the words and the process doesn't get twisted in the delivery. But then, you know, at the same time, there's a moment where it's like, man, wouldn't it be great if, if thousands of strangers knew the lyrics to our songs, but it's a terrifying thing. Terrifying. I know, I know a lot of uh, people who identify as, as women who have found success in indie music. Think about this often where, where you have to sort of uh, like, walk this fine line between wanting to be personal and wanting to be protected and that kind of thing. Being an artist is wild. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't have a point to that either. It's just a, <laughs> <laughs> just a punctuation mark. If you'd like to hear more from Post 65, you can purchase their music on Bandcamp or stream it anywhere that you stream music. And now, Crowd Surfing by Post 65. I don't like the tone of my voice today I stay quiet and join all the men in rage I can hear my skin crack I could hear the blood boil In the car I'll ignore your tears on the way back home Sleep 
follow you at night Stay on your side of the street No Sam Studios. Well, actually, did I stutter?